Hello and welcome to Alchemy, the home of the open mind. Thank you for tuning in and hopefully you enjoy the show and the variety of eye-opening guests we bring to you on a regular basis. We're currently free, completely non-profit and available on demand from alchemyradio.net and iTunes and our listenership is increasing all the time. Unfortunately, so are the associated costs. We put out as many shows as we possibly can, but it costs quite a lot for bandwidth and hosting and all that kind of thing. So we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format and are very grateful for any help you can offer. There's no fixed cost on your donations and it all helps. So, for example, if you could spare even the price of a cup of coffee every month, it would go a long way towards keeping us afloat. Our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance is hugely appreciated. You can also find our Patreon link on the website too. And check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Get following and interacting with us with all your feedback, guest suggestions and other input. Before we get to the main body of the show, I want for our Irish listeners to make you aware of a conference that's happening this weekend. That's the 25th and 26th of February 2017. It's happening in Waterford in Ireland and it's called the Open Minds Conference 2017. The speakers include, and it's a great lineup, Ubuntu Ireland, Mark Devlin, Ben Gilroy, Ian R. Crane, Hilary Connor, Tom Ryan, Terry Lawton, Garoda Colmon, Judith Very Baker... Water's Edge, Tom Milan, Gemma Hughes, Those Conspiracy Guys, and many more. For more details, go to Open Minds Ireland Conference 2017 on Facebook. So, on to the show. Alchemy, alchemy, alchemy. My guest this episode is one of the aforementioned speakers at the Open Minds Conference 2017, that being Gemma Hughes. Gemma is a naturopathic herbalist based in Ireland and her passion is to teach people about wellness using herbs and healthy lifestyle choices. After all, doesn't everyone deserve happiness? Gemma, you're very welcome to Alchemy. How are you? Hi, John. Thanks for having me. How are it's you? It's great to have you. I'm in flying form now and very much looking forward to digging into this conversation. It's a topic we haven't discussed in depth with anybody on Alchemy before, so it should be extremely interesting. But before we get into the subject matter and the meat of it, so to speak, there's a question I ask every new guest on the show, and that's how did you get from where you were to where you are now? Well, John, I went through an illness myself um, about 10 years ago. I was diagnosed and um, I lived a fairly healthy life, I thought, um, and I didn't realise that, um, you know, I could get an illness from living the way I was. I was I'm vegetarian, I wasn't drinking or eating that badly, and um, I then tried to, to find help with the illness, and modern medicine didn't help me out. It basically said there was no cure. Mm. Um, so it led me down a, a really exciting road of discovery to try and find a way to help the illness I had and it opened up a door for me to, to um, herbal medicine which um, a Google actually opened up for me when I saw herbal medicine I was really excited because I, I love to garden mm-hmm. and I thought this is fantastic I can't believe that plants can actually help you with your health I think people these days don't realise the, the thousands of years worth of medicine that's there um, so, of course, I stu- then I decided to study herbal medicine and I used 
plants then to help my health and the illness that I had is now um, is now pretty much clear and I just have to maintain my health daily and um, that's that's where I am at the moment I'm I'm feeling fantastic with my health and there's a lot of things that I've learned along that journey um, day-to-day things um, with food and drinks and lots of different things like that 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 you have to open your mind to you have to see what is actually good for you and that's why I'm really excited then to share that with everybody at the conference the path then has led you to become a naturopathic herbalist what exactly is that Gemma for the uninitiated such as me well um, a naturopath is someone who does not want to do any harm so the medicine and advice that I give it's not to do any harm it's to make sure that it helps you in every way possible and then my specialized area is herbal medicine so I use herbs as my main form of treatment um, to help with the client so when somebody comes to me I go through everything from their lifestyle and diet to their systems of their body little things like how they sleep you know aches and pains every sort of symptom I go through it all and from that it creates a full picture to see what's going on with the body and as a naturopath, it's it's a fantastic tool to be able to use herbs then as a medicine and to, to treat the illness that way. Um, in in New Zealand, actually, um, and Australia, naturopaths are so common. There's about four to every doctor and people go to them before the doctor. Um, but I guess in Ireland, we're so used to going to doctors now um, that usually the doctor is the first port to call. So I get a lot of people who've gone to a doctor first and then come to me second. But hopefully that'll all change. And, and people will, will want to use preventative, men, men, uh, sorry, preventative medicine first rather than going to a doctor first. Yeah, that's very interesting that New Zealand is a counterpoint for the attitudes that exist in Ireland at the moment because mm-hmm. it just struck me as you were speaking that there is kind of, maybe I'm, it's an assumption on my part, but certainly this is how I would read it. There is some kind of idea amongst most people that those in the past who would have used, for example, natural medicine before the advent of conventional mainstream medicine or big pharma wouldn't have had a clue and that any time they got any kind of illness, they just died. And that's not the case at all, is it? It's not the case at all. And they've learned a lot over time, obviously from trial and error of different plants. It's quite a skilled area and the experience of tradition is it's it's huge and luckily for some countries they have that tradition passed on from person to person for example in india they have ayurvedic herbal medicine and that today is still very big and it's it's turn it's used by many many people and in china they have traditional chinese medicine mm-hmm. which is used alongside um modern um medicine as well but they have luckily kept their traditional knowledge and they still use it today. And um, for some reason in this part of the world, we lost a lot of that, unfortunately. So we tend to use the, the pharmaceutical medicine first. Um, so it's lucky now that we have these schools of, of herbal medicine that are here in Ireland. Um, and slowly there's more and more people studying. And it's it's great. It's coming back. It's, an, it's a great um not alternative, but it's complementary that mm-hmm. uh, medicine that we can use. 
Yeah, and we all know the old adage that prevention is better than cure, but I think most people listening will be wondering, how can I cure what I've got now? So we'll talk about both, of course, but let's Mm -hmm. look at what it is you do as a cure first, because I know there will be many sceptics out there who will be Mm -hmm. thinking, for God's sake, you can't cure what big pharma can cure with herbs, (laughs) but you can, can't you? (laughs) Well, I never use the word cure. (laughs) Okay, what word do you use? we can't. Um, Is that for legal reasons or for something else? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, I get you. <laughs> I guess it, it depends on what we're talking about, what illness. Yeah. Um, but yes, illness, the body wants to heal. That's the first thing. The body wants to heal. Mm. So when something goes wrong, when the symptoms that show in the body, um, and then it, they get worse and worse if we don't address those symptoms, and then we get to a, an illness and then the doctor will diagnose it as an illness because it's got to a point where it's so bad that it's showing as an illness. That's the body's way of sh- telling you here there's something going wrong in the body here and um, we end up being diagnosed with an illness. But if you step back, step back, it, there's small symptoms that show first and if if people were able to look at those symptoms first and then use the preventative medicine, um, then it wouldn't lead to these illnesses. I don't know, does that, does that make sense? No, it does. So it's almost like a bit of investigative work. You can look at the mm-hmm. various symptoms, if there are multiple symptoms, and then piece together the jigsaw puzzle to know exactly what's going on and get then to the root of it before it becomes a much more uh, severe problem. Is that it? Exactly, exactly. And then, of course, there's, you know, you can be unfortunate of not, you mightn't have read the symptoms in time, and then you end up with, excuse me, the, you know, being diagnosed with the illness. And at that point, herbal medicine does work very well because pharmaceutical medicine came from herbal medicine. Mm. I, I presume that everyone knows this, but a lot of people don't. Um, that plants were studied and um, and then parts, phytochemicals from the plants have been um, in a laboratory, they they have um, replicated them, and that's where pharmaceutical medicine has come from. In terms of the types of plants that are very useful to us, and the types of illnesses that can be kind of helped—we won't say cure, but helped—what mm-hmm. are we talking about here? Is it right across the board? Are there specifics? Because there's nobody doesn't get sick at some point, and any kind of help has got to be welcome. That's it. And there's many, all sorts of illnesses. The body, like I said, the body wants to heal. So you just want to see where where the root cause is. Like you were saying earlier, you can analyze, um, gently look at the body and see where is the root cause um, of the illness. And it can be something as simple as a cough or it can be go as far as, um, as illnesses like multiple sclerosis this um, endometriosis which is what I had um, and it, it varies across the board and it's just to know where the root cause is so for example if it's an immune system illness then I would give a lot of immune system and immune supporting herbs mm-hmm. if it's a, an illness that is um, pretty much in the nervous system there's fantastic herbs for the nervous system um, and I could go on each system of the body has many herbs that will help them and the great thing about herbs is they're not just 
one herb is not just for one illness herbs are so fantastic they cover different areas so a herb can be great for the liver but also support the immune system and each herb is is individual as well which is the most exciting part of of herbal medicine that i love um each individual plant has its own characteristics and can benefit certain parts of the body so that's where it's almost a science when i studied herbal medicine for me to know which herbs are going to suit which illnesses and each individual so that's the way um, um, when i put together a prescription it's specific for the individual what's going on with you alone well that's very interesting so it's not kind of like um a one-size-fits-all approach, which it quite often exactly. is if you go to the doctor. You know, you, you've, you've one of multiple things and we'll just prescribe one thing for everybody. That's it, exactly. And for example, the the spice turmeric, mm. turmeric that a lot of people use, um, it's, it is a fantastic spice and it's even, there's research that proves that it's anti-cancerous. Um, but it, there can be, a small as it can be a certain percentage of people that shouldn't use that for example because it's quite warming and yeah. if the person's body is already very warm then obviously you don't want to make it warmer so there's a lot of balance there that it's you have to really fine tune your body but well, each sorry to interject for a second just to clarify Gemma when you say warmer mm-hmm. uh, do you mean in the literal sense as in temperature or does that mean something else within the body well, temperature-wise, but also warming, as in, for example, inflammation in the body um, can be quite warm. There's certain types of inflammation mm-hmm. are very warming. And the turmeric can be warming, even though it's anti-inflammatory. You see, it's, it's very individual. Each right. herb can be very individual for different people. But if you start from, if you start with one herb at a time, if people want to learn about herbs, if you just start with one herb at a time and learn what that plant does, that's the easiest way to, to, to start learning about, about herbal medicine. And long term for everyone's life, it's, it's a great idea to learn some plants and learn some herbs that can help you. And then long term, it's preventative if you are using them in your day to day life. Yeah, it's funny because I would have growing up considered herbs to be, you know, you'd grab an old jar of whatever it was, parsley or something. That leads me on to then a query I have with regard to... I know obviously it's going to vary from person to person, but the amount that you would have to consume or the form that you would consume them in, because we're used again to getting a pill and taking a prescription of, I don't know, a week's worth of pills or whatever, and then the problem mm-hmm. is, boom, supposedly gone. Is is it like that with um, with herbs or what way are they applied or consumed? Yes, well, actually, when you were saying about going to the shop and buying herbs, actually, herbs that you get in the, the supermarket are medicinal. Okay. But like you said, it is down to the dosage. So how much of it you take each day. So if you're taking it daily in a small amount in your food, that would be food grade herbs. Mm. And that's, that is quite preventative. And you're daily taking in a small amount. Um, but it, there, it, it depends on how much you take. So if you take more of it, it's going to make it's going to make the properties of the herb um, be more potent in your body. So, for example, sage, sage that everybody would know that yeah. grows happily in our garden. Um, a, a lot of people use sage in cooking, and something really interesting about it is the reason. One of the great reasons for using it is when you cook it with and eat it with red meat 
it's very anti-inflammatory. So, and of course, red meat causes inflammation in the body. Mm. So it's like down the years, tradition has, it, it knows that it's anti-inflammatory and you're combating it as you're eating the red meat, it's causing the inflammation. And then the sage in your sage stuffing, maybe that you're eating with your red meat, then it reduces the inflammation. So it's, it's a lovely balance there, isn't it? Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's about food combining then as well as anything mm-hmm. else. Definitely. And each little gem of information there, if, you, if people can learn those little things and then they realize why they're adding the, the herb into their food. Mm. And that is daily preventative medicine. And if it gets to a point where they have an illness and they, they need to up the amount of herb that they're taking in they just need to know why and what to have so another lovely example would be peppermint tea Mm -hmm. people drink it you know as a as a nice drink just to have every day but if there's if you're suffering with ibs for example or trouble with your stomach um inflammation no bloating in your in your lower stomach um peppermint tea is very um, anti-inflammatory but also relaxes digestive system and if you drink more of it say if you were to drink five or six cups every day Mm. so it's kind of upping it to a medicinal quantity um then you're helping the symptoms that are going on there and you can long term if you drank that every day in replace in in place of your coffee or your tea you're taking it then as a medicine and over maybe six to eight weeks you'd notice such a huge difference in your gut by doing that and that's upping it to the medicinal level. And it's, it's, it's as easy as that. Okay, so it's all down to information and to then mm-hmm. being able to apply that information. So if, say, for example, I walked in uh, for a consultation with you and I needed treatment for, I don't know, some, some random illness that I have, how would you go about diagnosing that for me and then deciding what to prescribe? Is there some kind of a physical test that you can do or is it trial and error over time? Well, first of all, I'd I'd listen to you and see what your symptoms are presenting um, as. Some people come to me with a pre-diagnosed illness, which modern medicine has diagnosed through tests. Mm. Um, so then I can clearly see what what um, the diagnosis is from a GP. I don't diagnose um, illnesses um, in that. In, in the same way as a GP would. Yeah. But I, and I would use, I, I've studied Ayurvedic medicine and Chinese medicine and Western herbal medicine. So I'd use those tools to see what's going on in your body. For example, with Chinese medicine, it's pretty much opposite. So if your body is quite hot, if there's a lot of heat going on, then I try and cool it. Mm. It's as simple as that. I use herbs that are cooling. Um, and that in itself, without getting really complicated about what's going on in the body, that alone by using cooling herbs can can clear what's going on. But obviously it, it can go more in depth and um, it could be anti-inflammation uh, going on in certain parts of the body. So I use herbs for the organs that are, are showing. Um, so if um, I'm just trying to think of an example for you. So say, for example, if there was trouble with the skin, eczema, yeah. and the person had an ongoing problem with their gut as well, um, the the gut then would get treated, and that then should clear the skin as well. 
So there's a lot of different organs of the body that connect together and the symptoms would show to me um, which organs are, are out of balance. Okay, so what we're seeing in the body, ultimately, that causes us uh, pain or distress or whatever it is, <laughs> is generally a manifestation of something that could be somewhere somewhere else completely in the body, yeah? Yes, can be, yes. And it's it's connecting the dots. It's a lot of detective work, actually, for me. It's, it's, I really enjoy it to put to join all the dots and see where the underlying, um, the root causes it, the problem is. It's, it can be at times it can be tr- at times it can be tricky, but the more clients I take, you know, there can be symptoms that show up in a lot of people, and then it can be quite common when people think it's just going on for them. It's quite a common thing, and herbs work really well to to help um, a lot of these symptoms. And what then of of diet as well? We all know how important diet is, and we all know that the vast majority of us are not generally eating what we should be eating. Um, but is that a part of the work that you do as well? Is that complementary? Um, I mean, obviously, it's going to be beneficial in a complementary way. But is that something that you can prescribe for people as well to go with whatever herbal treatment that you are prescribing for them? Yes, yes, we go through the daily diet in the consultation and of course food is medicine and medicine is your food that's mm. the the saying from thousands of years back so um or from a few hundred years back so that that alone if you eat well every day that's going to help with the illness because your food is medicine so i go through what the current lifestyle is and dietary intake is and we can tweak it i wouldn't try and completely change what's going on with people a lot of people if you give them too much in one go then they they won't make a change but tweaking things like if somebody is drinking coffee all day long to try and reduce the caffeine or if someone is drinking too much alcohol to address that but in their daily diet if they're eating too much processed foods too much sugar um Sugar, I know, is in the media a lot these days, which is fantastic. People are becoming more and more aware of it, mm. that it disrupts the body, that having too much of it. Um, there's a lot to the diet. And yes, I go through step by step to see what can be adjusted. And um, we add in then a few extra healthy options to try and to, to heal the body that way also. Because long term, you want the person to be able to to be educated on what to go to food-wise and not what not to, to go to, to make sure that they understand what is good for them and what's going to help them feel healthy and well yeah. in their, with, with their food. Yeah. And is there any kind of chronic illness that can be sorted out through the use of herbs or is it more treating symptoms and gradually eroding uh, the various problems that might be connected to a larger cause? Um, well, yeah, the herbs can be used long term and then it gradually, it depends on the illness. If it's something that's going on long term with somebody, mm. it does take a bit of time to get the body back to full health. Um, if it's more short term, then you you'd notice the herbs repairing the body, helping the body to repair in a, in a very short amount of time. But yes, the, the herbs can, I've seen it with herbs that they do they can sort out very chronic um illnesses which is really exciting that something as as traditional as herbal medicine can actually heal us and help um with illnesses that we think are untreatable 
a friend of mine actually who had really severe multiple sclerosis she was bedridden and was almost blind right. and this, um, she travelled to India and got and used their herbal medicine and it, she's now walking and she's now a herbalist she was in my class in college she's now a herbalist herself Wow. And full of health. Yes. There's many, many stories like that where you just, you have to, a person needs to focus on what they need to do, focus on their diet, focus and take the herbs that they need to take. And it, it works wonders. Yes. <laughs> wow. That, that's an incredible and enlightening and heartening story as well. And uh, I, I just sometimes have an image of having to really radically change um, and you've kind of touched on it already, but radically mm-hmm. change diet and just be eating copious amounts of parsley and sage and all the type of stuff that people wouldn't normally eat. I mean, for mo- for a lot of people, herbs are a garnish unless they're actually um, an accomplished cook or they're eating out a lot. I mean, obviously, herbs are used all the time for flavorings, mm-hmm. but I think that is the relationship that most people have with herbs as opposed to being a useful tool. It's probably in general terms most of our relationships with food are like that anyway you know I mean we, we don't see it as medicine or something that can help us it's only when something goes wrong food wise and we realise the food we're having is harming us that we start to pay attention to what's going on so is it ever the case that like you might have to have huge amounts of I don't know herbs that you might necessarily like or is there always a way to incorporate it into diet well, when I give herbal medicine, it's in a tincture form. Okay. A, a tincture is herbal medicine in liquid, so it's suspended in an alcohol base. And it's a very easy way to take herbs throughout the day. So the person can go about their normal daily life and have their their breakfast, lunch and dinner. But they take their, their herbal tincture around the same time, just diluting it in water. So it, it doesn't complicate too much. If someone has a busy lifestyle, they don't have to worry about boiling up roots and twigs, um, which Chinese medicine does do that. And if you're really determined to get well, you would do that. You'd cook them up. But for me, I, I'm with Western medicine, we, can, we have the advantage of having a tincture. Uh, a lot of people might know what that is, but it's, it's a great, easy way to bring the medicine around with you. In your handbag during the day, you just had to pour out this... this the dosage for the middle of the day and usually people more uh, in the morning and the evening take it at home so it's it's very easy with modern lifestyle and then I would make recommendations in the meal so if the person is able to add in the herbs necessary just beneficiary herbs like rosemary or sage or um, drinking the herbal teas which are really available easily available these days um, in tea bag form so people are going to drink teas and coffees anyway when they're out and about so they just replace it with their herbal tea that way so it's it's very suited for a modern lifestyle actually um, the herbal medicine it's not too complicated um yeah, that's that's nowhere near as intimidating as I thought it might have been. You know, I just mm-hmm. had these uh, these visions of a massive cauldron in the kitchen and mm-hmm. having to boil up mm-hmm. stuff all the time. So you mentioned that there is a certain amount of that in Chinese, and you also mentioned Indian as well. What are the fundamental differences between, say, Western Chinese and then Indian, and how do they complement each other? Mm-hmm. Well, luckily for Western herbalists, um, we tend to, most of us tend to study 
Well, for a naturopathic herbalist anyway, we study those other two, the Ayurvedic and the um, traditional Chinese medicine. And I, we use some of their herbs as well. Um, the, the differences would be in India, they grew their own plants that match their weather. So they have some plants that we wouldn't yeah. naturally have grown here. And the same in China, you know, it, it's what grew in their country. Mm-hmm. So that would be the main difference. That the, um, But then some of the herbs do cross over that they use and we use um, that would grow in all the countries. That would be plant-wise, that would be um, a big difference. But also the way they look at the body is um, a lot of similarities, but there's some differences as well. In Indian Ayurvedic medicine, they use doshas. So there's different types of um, do- there's three doshas, mm-hmm. vata, pitta, and kava, and um, a lot of yoga people actually out there know about these um, these different doshas these days, which is great. If someone comes to me that's into yoga, they they love the Ayurvedic side of it. Yeah. And it's, if somebody is very airy, which is the vata person, you try and, and calm them down. Or if somebody is a pitta person, that that's a fiery person, you try and cool them. Or if they're a kava person, someone who'd sleep on a rock and loves a couch, you try and energize them. So it's 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 a lot about the energies of, of people in Ayurvedic medicine. When um, the TCM, the traditional Chinese medicine, it's about balance. So you have opposites. So yin and yang, which yeah. I presume most people would know, but yin and yang is the male and the female part of the body. So you need to have each individual, whether you're a man or a woman, you need to have a balance of the the calm nighttime of sleep and rest, which would be the female yin. Mm. And yang is the energy, the fire of the daytime. And there's organs that match each of, of the yin and the yang. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting um, way of looking at things, actually, the balance of, of opposites. Yeah, so it, it, it makes a lot of sense then as well, just mm-hmm. in terms of common sense as you're speaking, that seems yeah. to make sense to me. You know, it appeals to me as you as you say it. Um, it reminds me, there's a, a great book I read. It's more a, more like a kind of a, a Bible or a tome than a book uh, years ago by a doctor called Gabriel Cousins called Conscious Eating. And just some of the terms that you're using there are used heavily in the book. And he speaks a lot about warming and cooling and um the, the, the different doshas as well and how certain people can exacerbate a problem by taking certain herbs that might suit 98% of the general mm-hmm. populace out there and it's yeah there are just a, lo- a lot of correlations now he kind of comes from the universe and God there's very there's a spiritual element to what he's talking about so I'm wondering is there a spirit, spiritual element to what you do as well is that in any way complementary or are we talking just about the physical here? Well, it is spiritual, but I wouldn't be any particular religion myself. But overall, your spirit is your spirit. So yes, I might someone might come to me, and you can just tell that their spirit is so deficient and so lacking, um, and that alone you can you can build up. So emotionally, uh, so yes, to answer your question, it wouldn't. I wouldn't turn to religious side of things. Mm. But it's more the energy of the person and their spirit and their wellness in their core. So even happiness of life, I would try and address. Because each person, if someone is so sad in their life and you can see their spirit can be so lacking and and it's like their flame is, is, is so small. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that you try and lift that and try and encourage happiness of life and see what what is it that they're missing in life. So often it's like a counselling session as well that the person maybe they're ill because they're not happy with life. So that side of things I I would address, yes. And it can be as simple as the person finding a new hobby, uh, finding, you know, uh, the energy in themselves to go out and meet other people. And that alone can help then long term, because once a person has some happiness in their life and finds something that they love about life, that can encourage the illness and encourage the body to, to heal the, any symptoms that are going on. And that then c- gives such a, a beautiful burst to the spirit of the body. And it seems to me to be the complete antithesis of somebody, and I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that this doesn't suit certain people or whatever, but say, for example, an antidepressant, which mm-hmm. can, in a lot of cases, do a huge amount of harm or can long-term damage the spirit I mean in the short term it can make somebody they're on a high but for every high there has to be a low as well whereas you seem to be treating the spirit in a much more organic and natural sense which obviously has to be more beneficial in the long term yes and it's it's exciting that it can be so beneficial to people with depression Um, because again it depends on the individual so one person could be depressed because of you know, like finances, maybe, you know, they're, they're, um, they're not making enough money in their life. Another person could be depressed because, you know, their relationship is not working out or another person could be depressed because they're lonely. So addressing that first and foremost, and then I would use, there's, there's there are really good herbs for depression. Um, for example, St. John's wort, it's known for depression, but it's fantastic for the liver. And if someone is quite depressed, the hormones in the the, um, the the chemicals in the body that are are going around in the system, they can build up in the liver. So by clearing the liver and then uplifting the body, so the St. John's Wort, it, it's really uplifting. It, whereas antidepressants are known for depressing and for a person ends up on a downer almost mm. you know it's um whereas saint john's wort uplifts and it gives you a new lease of life <laughs> it's, it's it's great to watch it work actually but each person is individual so some people might need that lift they might need to be calmed so i would use a different herb in, in that situation yeah and you mentioned saint john's wort and that just sparked something in me and correct me if i'm wrong but it seems to me that more and more natural remedies and herbs and vitamins and supplements and things like that are being banned or at least kind of pared back the amount that dosages that are permitted to be sold. And um, mm-hmm. like we, we've seen in the US a huge amount of this, which has really, really damaged the, and I don't like the term alternative health industry, but... I mean, complimentary. <laughs> yeah, complimentary is a much better term. You're right. Many people will have heard of Codex Alimentarius being adopted worldwide now. You hear of things like St. John's Wort not being available in certain regions and then it's brought mm. back in and suddenly it's legal again and then it's illegal. What's going on with all of this? What do you think is well, the agenda, Well, it's all about Gemma? safety, really. And I, I would agree there is, it is really important to have safety out there. And that's the one thing that, you know, have regulations with medicine whether it's pharmaceutical or herbal medicine there is some goodness to that because you you want to make sure that there is safety in place of, of course you don't want to completely ban and stop people from having access to 
you know, to medicines that can still be very good for us. Hmm. With St. John's Wort in Ireland, it, it's not available on, from the shelf, but it is available from professional herbalists like myself. I can prescribe St. John's Wort. Um, okay. It's just that it works on a pathway of the liver um, that other medicines need to use. So, for example, if somebody is taking warfarin or um, blood thinner, or if a woman is taking the contraceptive pill, they use that pathway in the liver. That St. John's wort will protect. If you take it in a large dose um, every day, it will protect that pathway and then those medicines won't work. Okay. So you do need to be careful and I can understand the safety side of it. They don't want to sell it off the shelf for people in case they take it and then something as important as a blood thinner then would not be effective. So you just make sure to go to your herbalist and if the herbalist thinks that he agrees you can take or thinks that it's safe for you to take St. John's Wort, they can prescribe it to you. In terms of regulation of the industry then, how around the world are herbalists regulated? Are they accepted by the mainstream and say the mainstream medical community as being complementary? Obviously they are in mm-hmm. New Zealand, which you spoke about earlier on in the show, but in just in general terms, um, because I know, for example, in the US, the medical profession can be quite militant with regard to rejection, automatic rejection of anything that can be considered complementary or alternative. So what's it like in Europe and have you any experience maybe of the US in that regard as well? well I do know, I would be friends with some herbalists um, in America. It's, it's not completely restricted. There's herbalists that do practice and it's uh, they do have a different way of looking at dosages, but that's their own country's way of looking at them. Um, in in Europe, it's it seems to be different countries' choice. Um, some countries, um, you need to be a GP. It just depends on the country. So for Ireland, we're very lucky that um, because herbal medicine has been a traditional form of medicine, we've there's, there's a great core group of herbalists in Ireland who have fought to keep um, herbalists as a professional body. There is a professional body of herbalists in Ireland, the Irish Register of Herbalists, and also there's several different types of herbal medicine in Ireland. There's um, master herbalists, there's medicinal herbalists, and there's naturopathic herbalists. So I, I've given you some um, information on naturopathic Pathic herbalists. Mm. Um, the, the medicinal herbalists they study in Cork in UCC, so it's mainly focusing on disease, and then they they um, prescribe like almost like a well, I won't compare it to a GP, but they they look at the, what phytochemicals, what plant chemicals are in the plant, and then treat the illness that way. So they, they have a different way of of looking at at treating illnesses, mm-hmm. um, but each to their own. There's different clients who want that type of, of treatment. So that's that's great. And um, some people want the, the style of a naturopathic herbalist. So that's how they come to me. Um, so that's in Ireland. That's what we'd have. And then actually there are some herbalists who are, who were trained by their parents, by the father, 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 or even mother. And it's down to their family. There, there wouldn't be as many as we'd, you know, you'd hope. Um, mm. But th- they're there as well. And in Europe... Um, it, again, it depends on the country. Each country regulates their herbalists in their own way. Um, and it does, it, like you're saying, it can vary and, and it, the, they can try and be pushy towards the groups. But it depends on how strong the, the herbalists are to stick together and to keep it available to, to people, to the public. 
Right, and um, well, something I wanted to talk about then as well is homeopathy. Is it is homeopathy? Is there any kind of link with say naturopathic herbalists? Are are they completely separate things? Are they complementary? Or what are your views on it? Well, they are complementary. Um, I did study some homeopathy, but I rather I rather use herbal medicine myself. Um, homeopathy is more about energies, whether whereas herbal medicine, it's energy and phytochemicals right and with with herbal medicine there's there's research and actual um research papers on plants and showing that they do actually help with certain things homeopathy is uh, (laughs) actually it's difficult for me to talk about homeopathy because i'm still on the fence about it i haven't used it to treat clients because I love herbal medicine so much and see it working so well. Mm-hmm. There are fantastic homeopaths out there. Um, it's a very gentle way of, of healing. Um, and there's some some parts of homeopathy where they use, um, for example, thing, uh, materials that would be poison if you use them in larger dosages. Yeah. So the the energetics of the material is used instead, which I think does make a lot of sense because we're all energy. Every human being is mm-hmm. a big ball of energy. So why not use an energy to treat an energy? So it does it does make sense. And there's fantastic homeopaths in Ireland out there who, who use it very successfully. Yeah, I was just interested to get your view on it. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think one of the reasons that so many people automatically reject homeopathy is because it is more at a quantum level. As you said, it's about energies. It's not something that we're taught to be able to quantify in school. So we don't grow up. Whereas if, exactly. it's, if it's something that we can quantify, it's much easier for us to wrap our heads around. And I think the, the forces behind the way energy works and by extension then how homeopathy would work is only starting to become more mainstream now over the past decade, say, and I think that'll increase over time as well. I don't think personally that homeopathy is the the cure-all, but I don't think at the same time that it's something that should be just automatically maligned as snake oil or quackery just because we don't, in terms of the average person, understand what's going on, you know? Exactly, I, yes. <laughs> you said it very well there, yes. And and there is different treatments for different, you know, that that suit depending on what's going on with you. So, for example, someone would come to me for herbal medicine, but I would also recommend somebody to go and see an acupuncturist, perhaps, mm-hmm. also a nutritional therapist if they really, really want to focus on their diet. Um, so there's many different therapists that can come together to help the body, and homeopathy does help a lot of people, and it's very a very gentle, helpful. Um, form of of medicine as well so it's definitely one to it's up and coming I'd say like you said because it's because you can't explain exactly how it works we don't know we we don't have the ways of of proving yet yeah Um, but yes I have seen it work and I have seen um, heard of stories that, that it does work very well as well. So yeah, well, I've come across people <laughs> as well who who have had dramatic life changing mm-hmm. success stories with homeopathy too. Uh, but I've had no first hand experience. I've I've never touch wood had the need to uh, to go down that or really any kind of medical route in my life so far. So <laughs> long may that continue. All right, lucky um, you. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've been very lucky in that regard. Um, so, what are your favourite herbs? Like, are there any super herbs? Are they all super herbs? Is there anything we should 
in terms of general health or not that we should but would be very beneficial for most of us to take on a daily basis or we should be looking for on the shelves um, just in terms of you know what, what we do and what we cook with and what we eat what would you really recommend are there any standouts okay so a question like that is so broad <laughs> deliberately <laughs> because for me for me it depends on the person if you're the type of person who you like to go into a shop and buy it from a shelf mm. okay that's a different as an answer for that but the, there are people in who also like to go out for a walk and perhaps collect some plants yeah. and bring them home and use them so there's two angles there and there's probably other angles as well but to address maybe those two first if you're the person who wants to go in and, and buy it if you're a busy lifestyle and you don't get a chance to go out or you don't live near in the countryside or somewhere to go somewhere to go collect herbs then so a few basics um elderberry our elderflower elder elderberry is a fantastic plant for the respiratory system and for anyone to have that keep it in your press um you can get syrup elderberry syrup mm. so if you feel like you're you have um if you're breathing it's the best or even if you're if you're getting a cough or or cold to take that to dry up any excess um, phlegm that's going on or to, if, if you had a cold and there's a cough lingering that it's great to take the syrup um, but also echinacea okay and probably a lot of people have heard about echinacea these days it's kind of it's it's more well known which is a fantastic to boost your immune system temporarily but with those you wouldn't need to take them every day they're like if you have a little medicine cabinet at home and you can have your herbal medicines in there and just know that if you get a cough or cold elderberry and echinacea are both fantastic to take and there's different ways you can buy them try and get the best quality organic from your health food shop ask them what you know you can you can ask them which one they'd recommend is the best quality hmm. and and take them the, the echinacea you only need to take it for at most 10 days because it, it stimulates your immune system to fight off any um, bug that's going going on inside your body, whether it's um, bacterial or viral. If you stimulate your immune system, it wants to fight off what's going on. And you only need to take it for 10 days and then you can stop and have it again then for any other time that you need it. Um, so that'll be it for your immune system. But also, if you just have in your kitchen cabinet your herbs that you you know you normally would have your sage um, you can buy, have the dried ones or you can buy fresh have a plant on your windowsill mm-hmm. um rosemary for example oh, rosemary is a fantastic herb actually if you ask me uh, which would be my favorite rosemary would always be in my top the top of my list um one of the top herbs for me because it's it's fantastic for circulation but also it's actually scientifically proven to help your memory and it, the old traditional saying for rosemary is rosemary for remembrance. Okay. And just by sniffing rosemary, the essential oils going up into your mind actually improves memory. And that's there's research on that and it's proven. It helps with memory. That's fascinating. I mean, such a, a seemingly humble plant. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And it's, it's the oils. When you brush the leaf of rosemary you can smell a fantastic smell those essential oils in the leaves they go up through into into your uh, when you breathe it. It, it you don't even have to pick the plant so you can have a happy plant living if somebody is not into to killing things that's one of the great herbs to have you just need to brush the leaves and smell 
Wow. Wow, that's yeah. cool. So what if you're out for a walk and you are the gathering type or you're the growing type maybe? Because, I mean, certainly in Ireland, you can grow such a vast variety of herbs in our climate, just in the back garden mm-hmm. in, in a relatively small space. So what would you recommend for those that might like to get into it in, in a little more depth than just going to the supermarket shelf? Yeah, well, any of the culinary herbs, most of them you can grow in your back garden. Um, so if you fancy planting, you can you can buy the potted plants in a lot of the supermarkets these days or even in your garden centres some of them have even chamomile you just pop them plant them into the ground and most of them will grow happily in your garden the only ones that well basil of course is is quite tricky you need to keep it on your window ledge but all the rest they're quite European herbs or Mediterranean style so your thyme rosemary um, oregano they like quite sandy soil so if you start them off in some sandy soil and once they take, they, they last a good few years for you and you can just go out and pick them as you need them. Yeah, I've noticed some of them in my own experience as well can spread like absolute wildfire, mint being a prime example. <laughs> I mean, if you're not careful, your whole garden will end up extremely minty fresh. <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's it. Well, it, it depends on it. That's a little bit of gardening to um, knowledge to <laughs> to work on um, that particular family lemon balm would be a similar one um, although mint would be the one that would really take over that family of, of herbs they, they like to spread around so you just just keep using them yeah <laughs> pick yeah. them and, and even dry them um, as fast as it grows if you can yeah I think um, it's a very good excuse to use peppermint tea you know definitely <laughs> and uh, so, so that's in your garden but then if you like going out walking in the countryside there's so many herbs that are available for us. Now, the only thing is just safety again. You'd need to see where are they growing. So if they're growing alongside a really busy motorway or road, uh, um, then preferably not to pick those plants because you don't want the, the fumes of the car going into your system as well. Mm. Um, so if you know a nice place uh, in the countryside where it's free from as well as <laughs> free from farmers spraying their fields with pesticides also yeah so there's two safety things there to watch out for but if you know it's a lovely area there's no spraying going on no um cars directly beside them then you could look out for um for example nettles this time of year now as we come into spring we can make a beautiful nettle soup um, nettle is full of iron and it's also really um, a really good antihistamine herb so if you suffer with with allergic reactions to the skin eczema it's really good for for boosting boosting the natural histamine levels of the body um, and helps balance out histamine in the body so you can just simply pick the new fresh nettle leaves and bring them home and add them to a soup and as that's in your that, preventative yeah. yeah yeah this preventative maintenance then of, of your body um, and you can pick them for a few months and when there's fresh leaves and then as the leaves get thicker uh, later in the summer then you wouldn't really use them um, and the phytochemicals in the plant are a bit too strong so just in spring the fresh new growth of, of nettles is fantastic um, also there's elderflowers that will be um, flowering in a few months time as well and elderflower you probably elderflowers is, is is used a lot these days which is great to see in cordials and yeah uh, it's so it's the same plant as their elderberry it's just it's the flowers before they turn into the berry and you can collect some of the flowers and you can make your own drinks it's delicious uh, as well 
It is. It's, it's delicious and really good for you. So again, it's really good in the, um, the respiratory system. Um, and um, it's very, uh, very uplifting, energetically, very uplifting. So in spring, when we've come through a really dark, gloomy weather of the winter, mm. when we need to be uplifted, <laughs> it's, it's a great um, plant flower to use to, to energize it, us. One of the things that strikes me as well is just the sheer abundance. I mean, what you're talking about here, when somebody gets a handle on how to use herbs, be it for medicine or any other purpose, it, they're just everywhere. I mean, that there's no uh, there's no need to be worrying about shortages and scarcities and this, that, and the other. It's just it, mm-hmm. it's quite simplistic, and I think that the best things are always the most simple, and this is no exception. Definitely, and they are growing everywhere if you just know what to look out for, and not to be overwhelmed by it. If you just simply learn one plant at a time, and um, there's many, many good books out there these days. Um, just have a look in your local bookshop uh, pick up a, um, a book so that you know make, make sure to make sure that you're identifying the plant correctly so right. I suppose starting off with nettles you couldn't really go too wrong <laughs> um, there's no poisonous um, plant that looks too similar to, to nettle so just to be aware that there's some plants out there that can be poisonous that grow in hedgerows so don't go collecting every leaf and flower that you see thinking that it's a herb so just to be wary and it's it's not too scary i guess once you know what it looks like you're not going to make a mistake but um maybe take someone with you if you know if you know maybe an older person who's really not necessarily older but somebody who knows what they're looking at and they're talking about bring them with you the first few times and you'd be surprised you'll find and so many, so many exciting plants. It is interesting, though, that you said about older people because it does, in my experience, tend to be older people who would have retained knowledge uh, from their parents and passed down through generations. And then there's kind of a gap then, a generational gap of maybe a couple of generations where the knowledge seems to have been almost lost. But do you think now, at the moment, we're seeing a, a real resurgence in this, this old knowledge of what's all around us in natural terms? Definitely, definitely. And it's really exciting to see that. Um, now, there are some people who are blessed that they did have, um, they were educated by their parents. And I have come across some people who are younger. Yeah. Um, and I guess myself, I'm, I'm really blessed that my grandparents and my parents liked plants. Um, so I learned some from them. Um, but yes, it's it's great to see that people are turning towards um, natural medicine again and to, to plants so there's more and more people studying it, more and more people going out and looking around them in the countryside and seeing what they can gather. It's a very exciting time. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic indeed. And speaking of fantastic, the Open Minds Conference, which we mentioned at the top of the show, is happening in Waterford in Ireland on the 25th and 26th of February. And you're one of the speakers, Gemma. So what will you be talking about at the conference? Well, I'll be talking about um, some herbs, like I've been talking to you about, um, but also I will touch on some other areas. For example, in the naturopathic side of things, um, in daily products that we use, what products can can be harmful and what products um, that have natural additives um, that can be used. Um, Foods to be wary of, on ones to eat, um, but then I'll, I'll focus a lot on herbs as well. 
So I'm trying to make it as interesting as I can for people. Well, to be honest, if it's anything like as interesting as the conversation we've been having, I think uh, you'll, you'll do very, very well indeed. Yeah, it's been an extremely quick chat that we've had, seemingly. I mean, the, the time doesn't reflect how quickly it's gone for me. So for anybody who might be interested in finding out more about what it is you do, uh, direct us to your website and anywhere else that people can get more information. Yes, um, well, on Facebook, people can look me up. It's Gemma Hughes Herbalist on Facebook. Um, my current website is Luna Cree Herbal. That's L-U-N-A-C-H-R-O-I Herbal, H-E-R-B-A-L dot com. Um, or I have my clinic in Waterford and also a clinic in Clamell in County Tipperary. So if anyone wants to get in touch I'm on Facebook, they're more than welcome to come to me for a consultation. Um, and thanks very much, John, for having me. No, it's been a huge pleasure. I'm very much looking forward to meeting you now in a week's time in Waterford and to listening to what you have to speak about. And hopefully you'll come back and chat to us again in the future on Alchemy. Hopefully. Thanks very much. Great stuff. I have the power. You have the power. We have the power. Gemma Hughes, thanks so much for joining me on Alchemy. Thank you. Take care. Alchemy. Alchemy. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Alchemy. Remember, we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format and are very grateful for any help you can offer. There's no fixed cost on your donations and it all helps. So, for example, if you could spare even the price of a potted parsley plant every month, it would go a long way towards keeping us afloat. Our donate button is on the website, as is the link to our Patreon site, and your support and assistance is very much appreciated. Thank you indeed to everyone for your recent help and support. We couldn't do it without you. So until the next time, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Thank you.
alchemy. Here, will, intelligence, imagination.